0: to Psalm 1. Psalm 1. Psalm 1 is one of the best known psalms and it stands as a gateway to the rest of the book of Psalms. Psalm 1 introduces us to the way in which we may find fulfillment in life. Fulfillment in life comes by delighting in and, on, and meditating upon God's Word. This psalm also warns us of a sure, eventual, and eternal ruin if we do not. The psalm tells us of two ways, and it reminds me of, uh, it, well, it's kind of a commentary Psalm 1 is a commentary upon which something Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 when Jesus said, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is narrow and the way is constricted that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Psalm 1 is the clearest, most carefully developed commentary on what jesus said for it shows us two ways and there are only two ways there are only two types of people on this planet there are the lost and there are the saved there are the dead there are the alive There are those who travel the broad road and those who travel the narrow road road that leads to eternal life. But there are only two. And every single one of us fits on one of those two roads. And I pray this morning that by the time we're finished with this message, you will be certain upon which road you travel. The Psalm, let's read Psalm 1. He prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not rise in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For Yahweh knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. First off, one thing I want you to understand is in the Bible, when you read the word blessed, or blessing, or prosper. If you think immediately of material, earthly things, then you've completely missed what he's saying here in the Bible. Because that is not what he's referring to. There are greater blessings than having material possessions. Material possessions are temporary. But eternal, heavenly blessings are eternal. And they will last. And and it's the the psalmist, his desire is to teach us the way to blessedness and to warn us of the sure destruction that comes upon those who do not follow God, those who are uh, content to abide and live in their sin. And the question is, which are we? Which side are we on? He talks about the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scoffers. Every one of us have done this. Every one of us are guilty of this. But we understand that Blessedness, when he uses the word blessed, it's a way of saying that the Psalms and all of Scripture have been given to us by God to do us good. And blessedness is soul satisfaction. Do you this morning have satisfaction deep in your soul? The righteous are genuinely satisfied In Christ, where you are right now, can you say that you are satisfied, that you are content? Paul says that we have, he says everything that he went through, he said, I have learned in whatever situation I'm in to be content. What was it that made Paul content? It was Christ. It was being in Christ that made him content. And Paul understood, and and, and the psalmist here in Psalm 1 is trying to tell us, we need to understand that our happiness, our blessedness, our fulfillment, our contentment is not found in the way of the wicked. It's not found in this world. It's found in Christ. Now it may seem surprising that Paul, uh, I'm sorry, that the psalmist starts out saying, How blessed is the man? And then he begins to describe the wicked. But he does this for three reasons. He achieves these three important things. First, he begins where we are. None of us start out righteous. None of us. Paul tells us in the book of Romans, there is none righteous. There is none who seeks after God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So he starts out with us right where we are. We start out as sinners. And if we do not enter the straight path, if we do not enter the straight gate, and the narrow road that leads to life, And it is only by God's grace that we ever do that. If you this morning can say, I know I'm on the narrow road. I know I have traveled to the straight gate. The only reason you can say that is not because you did anything, but it is only because of the grace of God that you are there. And second, the psalmist is able to introduce the two ways from the start. And third he says something important about godliness. He's going to present godliness positively as the way of the one who delights in the law of the Lord. Do you consider yourself to be a godly man or a godly woman? Do you do you seek to grow in holiness day after day after day to become more conformed to the image of Christ? Do you see that happening in your life? This is what he's pointing to here. Uh, In in order to say what the godly man is, he begins by saying what he is not. He does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. He does not walk and order his life according to what the standard of this world is. This Christ-rejecting world. When you find yourself with a situation where you don't know what to do, who do you turn to? Do you turn to the Word of God? Do you turn to godly people? Or do you turn to the ungodly? But he says the blessed man does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. And let me tell you what happens. When you begin to walk in the counsel of the wicked, when you begin to follow what they tell you to do, the next thing is you're going to stand in the way of sinners. You see, you begin to, to to walk, and now you're beginning to stand. You're standing with them among the wicked. And then he says that he will sit in the way of scoffers. Scoffers, that is, that they are those that, that make fun of God. They are those who scoff at the truths of God's Word. But we see here a progression, or rather a regression, where you begin... To walk with them. Then you begin to stand with them. Then you begin to sit with them. In our world today, we see many people who profess to know Jesus Christ. Who are walking in the counsel of the wicked. They are standing in the way of sinners. And they are sitting in the seat of the scoffers. But God is not mocked. And God is not deceived. He knows those that are His. So in verse 1, these three things, these three linked lines, these three parallel terms, we see the words walk, stand, and sit. The words counsel, weigh, and seat; The words wicked, the words sinners, the the words scoffers. And, And it's interesting because the wicked are those who intentionally rebel against God. The wicked are those who have no desire for whatever God has to say. Sinners are those who have fallen short of the glory of God. And the scoffers are those who begin to make fun of God. Have you ever seen people that make fun of you for going to church? They make fun of you for listening to Christian music? They make fun of you for sitting and reading your Bible. And most times they're not harsh about it. It's a joking kind of way. Very deceitful, very subtle. But the psalmist says that the blessed man, the man who has true fulfillment in life, is the one who does not do these things. The psalmist doesn't merely describe the lifestyle of the wicked, but he shows the fruit of that way and what its end is. The last part of verse 6, but the way of the wicked will perish. To the unsaved, the way of sinners seems wonderful. It seems exciting. When Satan approached Eve there in the garden, And he said to her, did God really say? Folks, let me tell you, that is the first thing Satan will always do. He will question God's word. Well, God knows that today you're not going to die. Eve, just take it. Do you know why God doesn't want you to to eat it? Because He knows that in the day that you do, that you will become like God. Is that what happened? No. She became like Satan. But there in the garden, when, when, when He presented this to her, he questioned God's word he lied about what God said you know if you if you go over to the gospels when Jesus is driven into the wilderness and there it says that he was tempted by satan satan quoted scripture out of context and he misquoted but it often sounds so right i mean after all What if we'd been at Eve's place? And Satan had approached us and said, Look, God knows the day you eat it, you're going to be like God. Now, who doesn't want to be like God, knowing good and evil? And he presented this to Eve, and she partook of it. And the psalmist here is saying, This is the way of sinners, this is the counsel of the wicked. Uh, th- this, this is the seat of scoffers. He warns that the way of the wicked is the way of emptiness and frustration here in this world. And eternal death in the life to come. The ungodly man is described in terms of of his associations, you know. Paul said, "Bad company will corrupt you." What kind of people do you hang out with? What kind of people do you enjoy being around? Do you like being around people that 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 are are wicked and sinners and scoffers? Are you more at home around them than you are around people that love Christ, that want to study God's word, that want to sing God's praises? Which one are you more comfortable around? That's a quick way to tell which road you're on. But the godly man is not described by those he hangs around with. Verse 2, but his delight is in the law of Yahweh. And on it he meditates day and night. The person who knows genuine joy reads and cherishes God's word. I love what J. Vernon McGee used to say about this book. He said, have you ever thought about the fact that what you hold in your hands right there are 66 love letters from God to you? And that's what they are. Do you cherish God's word? The hunger for the Bible is a clear indication of the new birth and the new nature longs for God's truth. Listen. It is a fact, a biblical fact, a biblical truth right here. If you have no desire to be with God's people, if you have no desire to grow in holiness, if you have no desire for the things of God, you need to be saved. Because the Spirit of God lives in me. And that new nature, you know what that new nature desires more than anything else? God. That's what he desires, God. I have said before, I will continue to say, you show me someone who does not spend ample time in God's word. You show me somebody who will make excuses why they are not in God's house. And I will show you someone that needs to be saved. Because God's people love God's word and God's people love God's people. And he says that the person who knows genuine joy reads and cherishes God's Word. And and this is one of the evidences. Do you have a love for God's Word? Do you look at this Word and, 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 and... You know, read Psalm 119 when you have a chance. I started to say when you have a minute, but it's going to take you more than a minute to read that because it's the longest chapter in the Bible. Psalm 119. Over and over and over... Every single stanza of that psalm is about love for the Word of God. How will a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to God's Word. Oh, how I love your law. Over and over we read this. Do you have a hunger for God's Word when you're at home and and, and you're just sitting at home leisurely? Do you ever just stop and turn off the TV and just sit down and just open God's Word and say, Lord, speak to me. Lord, show me. Say with the psalmist and say, Lord, open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. The contrast between these two ways may be put like this it's a difference between those who love sin and those who love God. It's just that simple. Verse 3 and 4, he says, speaking of the godly man, And he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. And then he speaks of the wicked. But the wicked are not so, but they are like the chafe which the wind drives away. The psalmist uses two images to show the results of the two ways. And first, there is a fruitful tree. The man who delights in the law of God, and when he speaks of the law of God, he's talking about the entirety of Scripture. The man who delights in the law of God draws spiritual nourishment as a tree draws nourishment from a flowing stream. You know, I remember years ago, I was just, I wasn't very old, maybe 12, 13 years old, and our family drove out to California. And we drove through the Mojave Desert. And this was back in the 70s, big Ford, LTD, no air conditioner. Yeah, that was fun. I even remember that. But I remember we would stop every now and then. And and we came across this place where there was a, a pool of water. And everywhere you looked, there was nothing. Just rock and sand and this. But around this water, I'll never forget this. Because I I remember asking my mom, how in the world is there a tree growing right here in the middle of the desert? And it was because it was planted by the water. And the water sustained it. And that's what the psalmist is saying here. The God-centered life draws its spiritual vitality from God's Word. Listen, do you regularly read, study, and meditate upon God's Word? If not, you will not flourish. You will not be fruitful. But if you do, it promises that we will. The godly sets down deep roots in a reservoir which will never ever run dry. You know one of the, one of the most fascinating and things about the Word of God? One of the things that thrills me more than anything else is that I could live to be a thousand years old and read and study God's Word every single day and never exhaust what's there. Never fully know what's there. Because it's the Word of God. The writer to the Hebrews tells us that it's living, it's powerful. It's like a sharp two-edged sword. God's word sustains the godly. Over here in Psalm 19, verse 7 through 10, it says, The law of Yahweh is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of Yahweh is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of Yahweh are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of Yahweh is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of Yahweh is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of Yahweh are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold. Even more than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Do you feel that way about God's Word? Is it more precious to you than anything else? When indwelt by the living Word, the leaf of the righteous does not wither. And all, he says, all that we do, when we are planted beside the streams of flowing waters of God's Word, and we stay in God's Word, and we are not walking in the way of the wicked, We are not standing in the way of sinners. We are not sitting in the seat of the scoffers. We will yield our fruit. And the picture is a continual fruitness in every season of life. All that we do will have eternal value and lasting results. Lasting value. Let me ask you something. Where you sit right now, listening to to what I'm saying to you, let me ask you a question. Would you took inventory of your life right here, right now? If you were to die today, if Christ were to come today, if you were to stand in the presence of God today to be judged, what is it about your life that would be of merit to God? Anything? If you're saved, there is one, Christ, Jesus. But the psalmist, he says that whether good times or bad, whether it triumphs or it trials, that the godly, the one who is planted, firmly planted by streams of water, he will bear fruit, no matter the situation. No matter what's going on around him, just as that day in the desert when our all around was nothing but hot, dry, emptiness, but that little tree was growing. (coughs) And that's the that's the, the, the picture that the psalmist gives us here. But by contrast, the ungodly, he is morally corrupt and he will be condemned forever. The wicked are not so. But like the chafe which the wind drives away, therefore the wicked will not rise in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For Yahweh knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now the picture here is when they would go out and they would cut the wheat and they would gather it together in the barns and they would take and they would throw it up in the air and the chafe would just blow away and the heavier wheat would just fall down. But you see it just blew away. It was nothing. And he says that's the life of the ungodly. They walk in the counsel of the wicked. They stand in the way of sinners. They sit in the seat of scoffers. And they are like the chafe that the wind just blows away. Chaff is worthless. Chaff has no value whatsoever. And as a result, they will not have God's acceptance in the day of judgment. They will be justly Condemned in their sin. Will you be accepted by God? On that day of judgment, when you stand before a holy, righteous God, will you be accepted? I will. Not because I've never walked. In the counsel of the wicked. Not because I've never stood in the way of sinners. Not because I've never sat in the seat of the scoffers. Because I have. But I will be accepted because there's one who did not. And his name is Christ. His name is Jesus. So verse 6. It summarizes the two ways. For the Yahweh knows the ways of the righteous. He knows the way of the righteous. Yahweh watches over the righteous, but the wicked, way of the wicked, will perish. He watches over the righteous, but the wicked will be condemned to an eternity in hell. So every one of us must ask a soul-searching question this morning. What path am I traveling on? Which way am I going? Have you entered through the narrow gate that leads to life? Or are you on the broad road that leads to destruction? Listen, folks. Let me tell you the picture that Jesus gives. When he said broad is the road that leads to destruction and narrow is the way that leads to life. In this world that we live in, If you travel the narrow road, it will become more narrow and more narrow and more narrow the farther you go. While the other side becomes more broad and more broad and more broad the farther you go. And in this world today, to live for Christ, to be this godly man, to, to, to seek a life of holiness and pleasing to God, live a life pleasing to God. You will travel that road and you will be mocked and you will be laughed at by those who are on the broad road saying, What are you doing? That's crazy. Why are you doing this? The world has so much to offer. Listen, folks, the world has a lot to offer. But what it offers will send you to eternal death. writer to the Proverbs says there's a way that seems right to a man. But the end of it is the way of death. Which path are we on? Are you living a transformed life? You see a transformed life authenticates the claim that you're on the narrow road. Jesus said, by their fruit, you will know them. I'll talk more about that here in just a minute. For you living a holy life, distinct from the beliefs and the behavior of the ungodly, is your delight found in the Lord Jesus Christ and nowhere else? Many are martyr. Throughout church history. Has stood there and said this right here. Take everything away from me. Take it all away from me. But give me Jesus. Take my life. But give me Christ. Do you feel that way? Do we feel that way? Or do we, do we have a desire for what this world offers us? Have you entered through the narrow gate that leads to life? Or are you traveling on the broad road to destruction? And if you say you're walking on the path of the righteous. Is there clear evidence? Is there clear evidence in your life that you are? The answer to these questions will reveal the road that you're on. We must look for the, the fruit of a changed life. Now listen, I believe that if I stand up here and I tell you I am a saved man, I am a child of the living God, and you, you have every right and responsibility to look at me and say, I see the fruit of that, or I don't see the fruit of that. But I want to tell you there's one person, there is one person above all else that must examine my fruit, and that's me. We need to examine ourselves. You know, it's easy to see the sin in your life than it is to see the sin in my life. There's a reason for that. I want to see it in yours. I don't want to see it in mine. And that's why we're called to judge one another, to judge the fruit of one another. But I am also called to examine My life, I am called to open God's Word. You know, many men, many professing Christians will not open God's Word. They will not read it. You know why? It's not because they don't have time, it's not because they don't understand it, it's because they do understand it. You know, Mark Twain one time said, He said, It's not the parts of the Bible I don't understand that bother me. He said, It's the parts I do understand. Because the Bible shows me who I truly am. It won't lie to me. It's a mirror to show what I am. And the validity of a person's faith is proved by their spiritual fruit. Fruit is the test of salvation. You see here the psalmist said that in verse 3, The godly man will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season. It's, it, it's, it's good and it's easy to try to live for Christ, to try to be everything that he's called us to do when everything in our life is going good. But what about when the persecution comes? What about when the bad days come? But you see the psalmist here, he says... That it yields its fruit in its season. And it does not wither. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Someone asked, well what is the fruit that I'm to look for? What is the fruit that I can see in someone's life or in my life to tell which road I'm on? Well the apostle Paul tells us. And Jesus said, A tree will be known by its fruit. Look in Galatians chapter 5, beginning with verse 19. Oh, hang on. I'm on the wrong place. Galatians chapter 5, I'm in the wrong book. Chapter 5, verse 19. immorality impurity sensuality idolatry sorcery enmities strife jealousy outbursts of anger selfish ambition dissensions factions envying drunkenness carousing and things like these of which i forewarn you just as i forewarned and of which i forewarn you just as i have forewarned you that those who practice such things listen will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now listen, it's one thing for us to fall into a sin, to commit sexual immorality, to have an outburst of anger, but it's something else entirely for my life to be characterized by that. And so Paul says, these are the fruits of those who are on the broad road. These are the fruits of those Who are the ungodly. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So as I look at my life, as you look at your life, which of these fruits are more evident in your life? And we will tell you which road you're on. Examine yourself. Examine yourself and see where you are. Paul says that we must examine ourselves and make sure that we're in the faith. Listen, folks, the Bible makes it abundantly clear. Whether we want to hear it or not, whether we like it or not. The one who lives a life of sin does not belong to God. Again, let me stress here, I didn't say the one who sins, I said the one who lives a life of sin. But also I must look, do I have love, joy, peace, gentleness, self-control? Do these things characterize my life? Those are the fruits of the Spirit. I must examine myself. You must examine yourself. But as I said earlier, only one man has ever lived up to this psalm. There was only one who ever walked this earth that was completely perfect because I want to show you something. When he says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the scoffers. He's not talking about those who have done it here and there. He's talking about one who has never done that. And there's only one that fits that. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only perfect man who ever lived and he is the sinner's savior. It is he who stands at the portal of this book to show us the way to live. Let me tell you something about the book of Psalms. It opens with Psalm 1 and the other 149 Psalms are nothing but a commentary on Psalm 1. But Jesus is the one who stands at the way. He is the one who shows us the way to live and not only shows us how to do it, but does it in our place. Does it in our place. The blessings of Psalm 1 become ours. Through the obedience of Christ. He was the perfect man. God in the flesh. And to live out Psalm 1 we need to become more like Christ. Through the power of God's Holy Spirit. So I ask you this morning. Have you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ and His righteousness? Are you clothed in the righteousness of another? Have you laid aside your self-righteousness and been clothed in the perfect righteousness of a perfect Savior? Do you delight in God's Word? Is it food for a a hungry soul to you? Is it water to a thirsty soul to you? Do you have a desire to live a life that pleases God above all else? To cast the world aside and say, give me Jesus. And that's all I need. That is the path to God's blessing. And I pray that is the path that you are on. But ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you this morning. That the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that means all of us. And we were justly condemned to death by God. Eternal death. And an eternal hell. But Jesus came and He went to the cross and He bore our sins and He paid the penalty. That cross He was on was mine. It was yours. And Jesus came to me and said, Come, follow me. He said, Here, take my robe of righteousness. Give me your robe of filthy rags. Have you done that? Can you think, well, was there a time in your life? Now listen, I am not one of those that believe that you must know the exact day, time, and whatever. You may not know the exactly when you were saved, but you will know that it happened. Do you know that that's happened? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt? Do you say, Lord, you are my God and my Lord. There is no other. There are no idols. I will worship no one but you because of what you have done. Have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, repented of your sin, turned to him and trusted in him and him alone? Because on that day, verse 6, for Yahweh knows the way of the righteous. And the way of the righteous is Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Listen, please don't get the idea that if you follow Christ, that if you do what this psalm says, that God's going to bless you with all kinds of money. He's going to give you a big, beautiful home. He's going to give you a nice car. As a matter of fact, he may take all of that away from you. But the things that are eternal, the blessings that are eternal, that one day you will stand before uh, God the Father, and some of the most beautiful words you will ever hear him say are this, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Because of Jesus. When I stand there and he says, what have you done to deserve this? All I can say is nothing. All I can say is, I only thing I have done is trust Jesus. He's the one that did it all. He's the reason I'm here. He's the only reason I can be here is because of what he because he was the blessed man without sin. Will you follow him? Will you trust in Jesus? Will you have a love and delight in God's law? Will you delight in being with God's people? Gathering together as often as we can, not making excuses. You know, it's interesting that the people I know who will not regularly attend a church service, who profess to be Christians, Do you know what their number one reason is? I don't like those people. I remember one time somebody told me, he said, you got too many hypocrites. And I said, well, we got room for one more. Come on in. But listen, you show me people who do not love God's word and people who do not love God's people. And I will show you someone who does not love God. Let's pray. Father, we we thank you this morning for your word.